Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Film Frequency Dojo. Your sensei bros today will be Master Hayes and Master JB. Prepare to earn your black belt in Padrati. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to another episode of the Film Frequency. I am one of your hosts, CEO Hayes. Uh, we are in the dojo again this week. We are wrapping up our our series on the uh, Karate Kid as far as the films. We've still got Cobra Kai to get to, but I'm one of your hosts, CEO Hayes, and we've got my brother in the building, Mr. JB. What's going on, bro? Hi. It is I, the prodigal one, JB's son, here in the dojo, the second half of the film, bros. Ready to get into it. Definitely, definitely. But before we get into that, we do have... Uh, some news topics that I put on this list, one that I'm really excited to talk to you about. But before we get into that, we're going to start off with this uh, news item. So Blumhouse and Amazon have announced that they are partnering uh, to release eight thriller films, a.k.a. I think they're going to be more horror than thriller, um, which is interesting because they have a similar deal right now with Hulu. They have that Into the Dark series with Hulu where they release a movie for every holiday, based around every holiday, um, and their horror movies. Some are some are really, really good. Some are terrible. Uh, I would say there's probably more hits than misses there. But what do you think about Blumhouse entering into this deal? And is Blumhouse starting to stretch themselves too thin? What do you think? I don't think so. I don't think Blumhouse is stretching themselves thin at all. Blumhouse, I'm sure, has like a massive... You know, it's not just a one-man operation. They have a ton of people as part of that True. team. I'm actually really happy, though, about this because we've seen some some good stuff come out of Amazon Studios, um, particularly last year. You know, Amazon Studios came up with some good stuff. Really haven't been following too much of their stuff this year. But, you know, they had uh, Marriage Story, which was a huge hit last year. So I'm excited with this collaboration to see what comes out of it. I think you are on the money, though. There's going to, you know, there's been hit and misses. And that's we've talked about it several times already. Blumhouse operates that way. You know, some things that come in with money, some not so much. But at the end of the year, it'll balance out and they're still making millions anyway, either way. The thing that I like most about this um, is that the thing, the difference between Amazon, Hulu and Netflix, for that matter, while Netflix Give some really great originals. We still get a lot of shitty ones. Uh, Hulu, too. I think Hulu, to a degree, they just try to throw out as many originals as they can. And, you know, they, they try to get subscriptions that way. Amazon, specifically, seems like they're more particular about their exclusive in, in the deals that they sign. And the fact that this is eight films, and they're also co-financing it, so it's not like it's all Blumhouse's finances. The fact that Amazon has a hand in... Uh, uh, horse in the race so to say i really think that these are going to be really good films the only thing that that reason why i say stretching themselves so thin is that for the most part amazon movie releases have sucked but outside of what the i mean not amazon blumhouse outside of the hunt and uh uh invisible, invisible. man it's, it's been yeah, all trash uh so it's like some of these scripts i wonder how great they are i just hope that they're not throwing some of the you know, the scripts that they aren't going to do theatrically away. But as of right now, I'm going to trust it. Blumhouse gets gets a lot right. Um, so, well, I'm going to say a lot. But when they hit, Blumhouse movies hit. And I think they're getting the the um, the genre better than most people. So, you know, I guess we'll, guess we'll wait and see. Yeah. And I think, again, um, because Amazon Studios is part of this project, it's going to kind of serve as a, a buffer zone. Whereas, uh, like you said, when Blumhouse hits, it hits. But those sort of, uh, I don't want to say half-ass ones, but those sort of B-movies, because maybe Amazon is part of this project now. They may be like, yo, like, because I don't think Amazon is trying, Amazon can't afford to have tons of crap because they are on a subscription basis, so they need to yeah. continue pulling out good content. So I think Amazon is going to have that 
that buffer that buffer zone where it's like we need to continue churning out good content and maybe force in a way Blumhouse to up their their content at least yeah. their half of it. Yeah, I, I, yeah. I mean, right now I say that I'm I'm looking more for I'm looking forward to it regardless. I'm more, more hopeful than not that these are going to be really good because it's Amazon. If this deal, for example, would have been uh, announced with Netflix, I would have been like, it's just going to be terrible scripts that they just. <laughs> can record quick and on the easy but because it's amazon i tend to believe it more than not uh so i guess uh, you know we'll see we'll see we'll probably review a couple of them if they're really really good absolutely all right so let's let's go ahead and uh move into the next one our boy martin scorsese uh has uh signed a first look deal with apple on both film and television now the difference for anyone who doesn't know between like an exclusive deal and a first look deal it means that anything that Scorsese, not anything he's currently working on. If it was already in the works before then, it's, it's not part of this deal. But anything he works on going forward, Apple is going to have the, the the first right to f- decide if they're going to finance it and get it exclusively or not. Now, that doesn't mean that it won't happen if they don't. He can still take it to Netflix. He can still take it to the, to the theater chains or whatever, to the big studios if he wants to. But the, Apple having that first look deal, you know, I, it's, it's cool. What do you think, B? I think it's huge, man. I think it's huge on... I think it's huge for both parties. Uh, you know, it's huge for Apple because we all know Scorsese is a genius. So they have first dibs on that. They can pick and choose what they want to add to their their library and what they don't. And for Scorsese, it's a win for him because he's from what we've gotten. And, you know, with Irishman, which came out last year, mm-hmm. we heard a lot of Scorsese. A lot of people did not want to pick up this film and they ended yeah. up getting, you know, they ended up getting nominees. I know they didn't win anything, but they got nominations and they still had some big names behind it. Scorsese in himself is a draw. He can bring big actors and actresses to his films. He can bring, you know, seats in the ass to watch the movie. So I think, though, he's tired of this whole uh, movie theater thing and whatever. If he has an opportunity to go through streaming and go through something like Apple you know, uh, what what Apple Studios is what eight twenty four is that them? Uh, no, the eight twenty four is separate, but uh, okay. I think they also have a have a deal with with Apple too, but they're separate, completely separate entity. Gotcha. Either way, though, I think Scorsese would be happy with this sort of deal because his we all know his movies can sometimes be long as shit, and and sometimes uh, to certain people it can be an acquired taste if you're not used to his type of film. Mm-hmm. So he doesn't have to go around trying to do all this shit of trying to get this shit sold. It's an automatic. Let's go. So I think it's a win-win for both parties. Yeah, and I and I hope this what this does is that it it gives Scorsese the ability to do things he's just passionate about. The Irishman took so long to get done because he had a a way that he wanted to execute it, and he's been he was passionate about that project since he read the book that it was that that inspired it. So I think that when you give Scorsese the ability to just go and create things that he wants to create rather than it be like the studio has to has certain things that they want hit or whatnot. We're going to get some amazing stuff. And, you know, I trust Scorsese. I know he's had some misses, some things that aren't great. So not everything he does is a classic, but overall he's one of the best directors of a generation. So, you know, for him to sign an exclusive deal with Apple is fucking huge to me. Absolutely. And the one thing also that I, I didn't mention um, is which you kind of brush on a little bit. When you go to some of these bigger studios, they have their executives and their their top guys, uh, and their CEOs, et cetera, et cetera, that sometimes might want to put in their input. I mean, there's these egos there. We're talking about multi-millionaires, some, if not billionaires in some of these cases. Mm-hmm. Whereas somewhere with Apple, I think Apple would more say, hey, this is your project, take it and run. Yeah, they might have some little say, but truly the creative control would l- lie in Martin Scorsese's lap, which is... 
when you do that, he's he gives his best work because he has a great mind. Yeah, like you said, there's been some misses on his end, but for the most part, you give him the proper creative control, he'll give you something great to watch. And one thing that that is going to be the official first movie in this deal. Uh, originally, he was making this movie for Netflix. It's called Killers of the Flower Moon, which actually stars I remember. Robert Robert De Niro and Leonardo DiCaprio. Yes. This is actually moving over to Apple too. So you know, weird, it, you know, from Netflix, yeah, right? I, yeah, okay. yeah. It was supposed to be on Netflix. Now it's going to be exclusively on Apple. So it's like you know, I, I mean. If that's the first one out the gate, De Niro and and DiCaprio, they're two of the best of all time. So, hey, hats off to him there. Exactly. Yeah. And like I said before, before we wrap up this topic, uh, he attracts these caliber of actors. The De Niro's, the DiCaprio's, the Pacino's. Um, We've seen his films. He he got people want to work with him. The guy's a genius. So him, him and Apple do great things. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. All right, let's uh, go ahead and move into the next one. I'm going to move some stuff around. Uh, the next one, just because I kind of want to get it out the way. Tron 3, it was announced, uh, is going to be starring Jared Leto. Now, they have not said if this is going to be a reimagining, a reboot, a continuation. Uh, it's just the next Tron movie. Even me calling it Tron 3 isn't necessarily going to be the title because it may not be set in the same universe. Now, one thing with the Tron films, Tron, they're visually, there's nothing like a Tron movie. It, especially that first one, it set the bar and set the standard of a new way uh, to showcase movies and stuff. And I think Tron being set in like video game, and we know what video game culture is now, it could be huge. But I'll tell you what, bro, Jared Leto is a good actor, but I'm at the point now where like, I can't remember the last time I loved a, a movie that was led by Jared Leto. I've seen great Jared Leto roles, but I don't know. Matter of fact, I don't think I can say that I've loved a movie that he was the main star in. What do you think about that? Yeah, so that like that's going to be the interesting thing here. Jared Leto came out with Suicide Squad, what, like three, four years ago, and he got absolutely massacred. And since then, he's come up with two other movies uh, that have not had, you know, his reception has not been been that great. So it's going to be interesting to see what comes out of it with Tron. I don't know much about Tron. I've never really seen Tron. However, I will watch it. I'll probably go back and watch the other ones because the, the good thing about this podcast that we do for when we first started, I always loved movies. You've always loved movies. But mm-hmm. I look at movies and film differently now than before with more of a, a, a critique. I, I Things that I didn't look at before, such as uh, filmography uh, – not filmography, but um, uh, uh, cinematography. cinematography yeah. Right, and the different production values and things like that that I never really cared about. I look at it or like the, the way the, 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 the pacing of a movie and things like that. So it will be interesting to see – a lot of these movies that, like, for example, Tron, that, you know, I, from what I've heard has been, like, decent movies and the visual effects and all that, and now watching it for the first time, I'm, I'm kind of excited for that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I think, too, um, I, the thing with, with Tron, it can be visually stunning, right? I think the, the even the sequel was visually amazing. The soundtrack, amazing. But the film itself was, like, I, I need... It, it, you need more than that, and it, it, you know how Substance. I've been on this on the sequel thing. Now is like these these things get so caught up in these brands and everything um, that it, like I just I just hope that it's some they have an interesting take and they're not just making another Tron movie because Tron is a known property. Oh, that's all. That's all it is. We always <laughs> talk about these money grab things. You know, it's it's gonna happen, bro. It happened before us. It's happening during our time. It'll happen after us, and it'll continue yeah. happening. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so we gotta, we gotta 
Well, I guess we'll wait and see, like with most things on, on our news list. We can only do so much. Uh, last piece of interesting news, and then we got one big one, um, is that the last blockbuster in the U.S. Is, have, was turned into an Airbnb. Have you seen the pictures for this, bro? Did you Google and look at the pictures? So I, I know – Go ahead. I, I can't lie. The pictures, I, if I was – I don't know what city it's in or whatnot. I would – I would be interested. I know they're probably charging a fucking arm and a leg because of this whole blockbuster and marketing thing, but like, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind. I wouldn't be against renting an Airbnb uh, blockbuster that was turned into an Airbnb because the pictures that I saw from this look really cool. Really cool. So just so I understand, they took the actual last blockbuster, which I I've read a million articles, like not recently, but in the past of it being the last blockbuster, they literally have mm-hmm. taken that and turned it into an Airbnb. Is what you're saying? Yeah. Yeah. So it's it has in- like a block. It has like a, a nice blockbuster theme and a retro theme and everything to it. It's it's funny. I uh I I absolutely number one would stay here. It's in Oregon, and Oregon is actually on my bucket list for for uh, states in the uh, United States to visit to. Um, I heard it's beautiful, but yeah, I would 100% just for the nostalgia, bro. Like, I could go on a freaking tangent right now how much blockbuster means to me and me growing up. Blockbuster, and you, you and I are about the same age, but blockbuster was that place you go to when that Friday, that Saturday where you and your homeboys go and you pick out a, 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 a video or a, a DVD or even, you know, you're dating a girl and you guys, you know, you have date night Saturday back when you're a 16, 17, 18 year old, you don't have a lot of money. So you go there, you get some popcorn, you get some chocolate, you get two DVDs. That's your date night right there. So Bob Buster meant a lot to me growing up. It was a huge part for me. So it's cool that they're continuing to keep it. Although now that they're not making money on, on rentals, They've now figured out a way to probably make way more money they've ever made off the Airbnb. And I, for one, would absolutely go there. Yeah. Yeah. For one, like anything 90s theme, I'm all for. Anything 90s theme. Uh, And this looks just the beanbag. And like you said, it it was like you go and pick out, you know, I went to the movie theater a lot as a kid. But you go and you pick out that new one, uh, that, that tape. And a lot of times for me, like a lot of horror movies. That I found that were like B movies, not the major ones. I found by just walking down the aisle, Blockbuster. That's like crazy. Like Doctor Giggles, I'll never forget that. Doctor Giggles, I, I remember found just walking Green. down the blockers. Yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. it's crazy. And the, I'm looking at the pictures right now. The pictures look really great. We'll uh, we'll I'll go ahead and uh, after we record stuff, I'll get those pictures on the uh, on our Facebook group so everyone can take a look at it. But yeah, it looks pretty cool. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and move into the last bit of news, bro. AMC Theaters is reopening. <laughs> they have announced that they are planning on ninety percent of the up to ninety percent of the theaters being reopened by the end of August. Actually, just a couple of weeks from now. But the day that they're re- that a lot of reopening, fifteen cent tickets, bro. What do you make of this? I absolutely love that. But here's the thing, though. I didn't know it was like the first day. I thought it was gonna be like like it's gonna go on for a, like a week or two or even a month, because. That would have been awesome because I was planning on freaking just going there with like a jar of nickels and dimes and just renting out a whole entire theater. Um, oh, a screen, I should say. But um, that's pretty cool. And we talked about it. We speculated that when they actually do reopen, there needs to be some sort of publicity stunt. And, uh, you know, we talked about what they could could and couldn't do. This is absolutely perfect. 15 cents, bro. You have a family of five, for example. It's going to cost you 75 cents to take your family out. Now. Yeah. For anyone listening, do not for one, not even for one second, think the concession stands are going to be uh, at this price because that's where they're going to make their money. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Uh, but I think 
this thing overall, like I said in my text to you, overall, this is going to help people get over that stigma of going back into the movie theaters. This is a smart marketing deal. What they're showing now, like the movies that they're showing, at least to reopen, are all old movies. So most of that is profit that they're going to get anyway. So why not have people come in? 15 cent, get some popcorn, which is where they're going to make a lot of their money, get some popcorn, get some snacks, and just re-acclimate to the idea of being in a theater. And it also gives them a chance to, to refine their processes of how they're, because I know they're going to have longer cleaning times between movies and everything. Right. And you know, we're a couple of weeks from New Mutants opening. We got, Uns is it Unsane? The, uh, no, no, it's called something else. That, uh... There's another movie coming out and then Tenet after that. So we have like, it's like three weeks back to back. We're going to be getting hit with stuff. Um, so to take that first week to kind of get everything in place is a very smart idea. Absolutely. Like you said, they'll get the kinks out in terms of the process. So by the time these big blockbusters start coming out, the process has already been proven and uh, they're ready to go. And they can say, hey, we, we've been doing this now for a month or however long it's been. And they already have a good process. So, yeah, that, that's pretty good. I mean, they are getting backlash as well. I've seen a lot of negative comments and, and, and some bad reception on this where, you know, people are saying, oh, they're forcing people, you know, not, not forcing is a bad word. They're they're uh, enabling people to go out in large parties and stuff. And I don't want to get too political, but they are getting some backlash from it. But as long as they're doing the right things, doing the right protocols and, and uh, social distancing and whatever, I mean – we can't, again, we can't stay inside forever. We have to, at some point, move on. I mean, some people enjoy staying inside, so it is what it is. No, but no, I agree with you. We <laughs> got to get back out there. And I love the fact that they're finally just, you know, and we'll wait and see. There have been a day. I know the movie theater here opened, uh, but this is Cinemark-owned uh, movie theater. So I know it opened here last Friday and stuff, and they're showing a lot of classics as well. But, you know, we've gotten dates before when they were expected to open, and then that came and went. I really do... I uh, think that they're going to hold to this now and just kind of work it out. And it needs to happen. I'm not even, I don't, the economy and all that, I'm not even getting into all that. But right. I think ultimately for us to get over this constant fear that we've been in now of, of what's going on, we have to slowly introduce and try to make life get into a new normal. It's not going to be the same where you went into movie theaters and they're packed and people are sitting all side by side. It's not going to be that. It's going to be different and a new normal, but we can only get to that point and get used to it if we take the Band-Aid off, so to say, and, and get into it. So, Yeah, I 100% agree with you. And like, you know, like anything in life, if you have a fear of something, they yeah. always say the best way to get over that fear is confront the fear. So... That's that. And, uh, yeah, w w is there a date on that AMC? Because my closest theater is actually AMC. Yeah, it's the 21st. Is this upcoming Friday. Okay, I might actually just, go, you know, go and see what they got going on just for the shit, you know, hell, gotcha. I don't know what they have gotcha. showing. I don't know if all AMCs worldwide or, or, or nationwide have yeah. the same uh, library or catalog playing or it's all, you know, I don't know how that works, but I'll yeah. check it out and see what they have shown. Yeah, the closest one to me is Cinemark, but I have one that's, like, uh, on the opposite end. Uh, not too far, still within five miles. It's AMC. Uh, so I see see what's playing versus what. But this week I didn't go. I, I fought the instinct because I really wanted to give it some time and just see how everything works and, and whatever else. But it's going to be hard for me not to be in the theater next week, bro, to see something. Like, I just, I miss it. I miss the, the the walking into the theater and getting hit in the face with that smell of popcorn. I miss that shit. So, bro, you got to keep in mind, from the age of, like, between – it was, like, 9 Every or 10 – I have been in a movie theater every week for the last 20 something years up until now. So this is completely new to me. Completely the it's I miss it, bro. I miss it. That's that's all I can say. I miss it. Um yeah. but that that's it for the news segment. Are you ready to get into the review of the Karate Kid? Ugh. It's the Karate Kid 3. <laughs> Karate Kid but Part yeah. 3. 
But yeah, well, let's do it. Let, let's All lock right. up this trilogy. The time has come when a student must question. I know you don't believe in fighting, but this isn't exactly fighting, you know. Not exactly ping pong either. When a teacher must let go. Yagi always trained you, but for tournament, cannot. When a conspiracy is planned. You said that if I beat this LaRusso kid in the All Valley Tournament, that you'd give me 25% of your new dojo. When a trap is set. You know how to front sweep? Uh, not really. Do you know how to sweep? Of course. Ah! All like me. And left the side. It's no joke. I need your title. You don't enter. That affects my financial future, Daniel. Get it? You think you can rely on that crane crap? Last time you weren't fighting this. Mr. Miyagi loves you. He has faith in you. This guy wants to break you. Humiliate you. Stomp you into the ground. Yes! I'm sorry if you don't like it, but I got problems. And if you're not going to be part of the solution, don't give me a hard time about it. No. The man must make a choice, and the kid must become a man. You are going to defend. You're getting in that ring. What am I doing? First he suffers, then he suffers some more. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, a John G. Abelson film, The Karate Kid, Part 3. So, bro, we are here to review The Karate Kid, Part 3. And I think what better way to start than kind of how, like, the overall plot of the movie. Because um, this is where, you know, some people have their thoughts and their problems with so the the basic outline of this plot is we start off with them coming back from okinawa like i'm really just now understanding that like all three karate kid movies take place in like the span of a year which is yeah. wild to me because it, it, it's a, it's about it's about 18 months i think yeah so it's crazy but um so we, we they're coming back from okinawa as they're coming back john crease is leaving but before this we get John Kreese, what happened to him after Karate Kid 2? Uh, Cobra Kai is completely fallen. They lost all their students. They're not making any money. Kreese is fucking depressed. He goes to his friend, who apparently they were, he was in the military together and is also in Cobra Kai, who bought him the gym. Uh, he he basically tells him that they're going to fix it. He's going to get Danny and Mr. Miyagi back. He wants Kreese to go on basically a vacation. He buys a lot more gyms. He finds this kid to fight Danny in the tournament. Well, well there's there's more details from there. We, we'll get into all that. What do you think about the basic outline of this plot? And what, what do you have a problem with it? Because I, I have a hot take, but I want you to go. I want you to go with yours first. I, I have a problem with the plot because we saw this shit already. This yeah. it's almost the same plot as Karate Kid One. And uh, you know, yeah. for those who don't know, Ralph Macchio, who, who's Daniel, had a huge problem with this film, and so did the director. Uh, but they did it anyway because it's fucking money. <laughs> like we just talked about, it's it's a paycheck. But um, yeah, I mean. Uh, I, I'm not gonna say the movie's like uh, like extremely horrible. It's still watchable only because that nostalgia factor is there. It's a trilogy. It has a brand name behind it. It has characters we know and love. Uh, but yeah, the plot was was not was not strong at all. I mean, I, there's different ways they could have went about it, and I don't feel like this is necessarily the best way. Here's my I honestly, bro. This is one of the few times that I've gone back and watched something that I completely because I, I I haven't watched Karate Kid three in over a decade because it's just when i go back to karate kid it's one and two for me mainly just one two I've, right. I've i still hadn't seen in like years before we did our whole rewatch of it but if i'm going to watch like more than just one is going to be karate kid one and two but 
I really don't think that there's, it's the execution. The plot of this, I think could have been much better with not changing much. The acting from uh, the guy who plays, uh, what's the main bad guy in this one? Barnes? Uh, Terry, Sil- Terry Silver. Oh. oh, no, Silver. Well, Barnes is terrible too, but Silver <laughs> is fucking, he's so mustache twirly in the way that he portrays this villain. But the idea of of Kreese wanting revenge or Cobra Kai wanting revenge and them trying to get into the psyche of Danny San and break him down and make him question his own morals could be a great plot. It was the execution and the acting in this that just made it terrible to me. And you could tell that Ralph Macchio was there to collect a check. Even some of the react, you don't get the same, I don't know, but I really, I watched this, bro, and I didn't hate it as much as I did as a kid. Yeah, I mean, um, I don't know. Terry Silver, uh, the guy who plays Terry Silver, I believe, if I'm not mistaken, he was pretty young in his career. Keep in mind, he's supposed to be like this overgrown adult versus uh, Daniel. And he's act- in real life, he's actually like, I think, a couple months or even a year younger than Daniel in real life. Yeah. Um, but he's supposed to play this adult. But I think he was kind of young in his career. Uh, his He was very cartoony, I thought. Like, some of his, his like, you know, when he was, like, laughing and stuff, it was very, like... Stuff you see in a cartoon, uh, very you know you could he's rough around the edges or whatever. Um, you make a you make a decent point. Maybe the plot is not what's to blame, um, and maybe not even so much the acting too. The acting was not necessarily top notch, but it all goes back for me when I look at stuff like this. The writing, uh, the, maybe the writing could have been done a little bit better. I don't think they had the same writing team as they did in the first two. Um, I know they had the same director, but not the same write, writing. I believe. Um, yeah, I'm pretty sure about that. So I know we we got what we got. Again, they were just trying to close out the trilogy. They knew this is going to be the last one. Ralph Macho was totally against this film. Did not want to do it at all, but you know decided to come back. And like I said, the director was not thrilled either. What do you think? Okay, so here's my here's my idea. Like maybe one at one point. I know we we're talking about like doing our like best of worst series and stuff on on uh on youtube for as a, like an exclusive on youtube we need to probably pick in the the worst trilogy like third movie in the series of all time because this ha- this has to be up there um but i think a lot of things too in the 90s that we got is that a lot of sequels were by the third or fourth movie were just retellings of one of the other ones it, like you could run down a list of how many did that um so it has its issues, right? But let's 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 get in further. So we talked about basically the plot. Of course, there was a new love interest because Danny has a new love interest. Everyone, I will say that I feel like this one was more organic, and she actually came on to him first, which was interesting because we talked about how much Danny is a poonhound, right? But Dan- she came Daniel, on to him first. She did, but she quickly rejected his ass that this, later that evening or whatever the date was because she kind of came on to him flirting a little bit, and then when they went out for the date, she's just straight up like. Boom, friend zone. Like, yo, I actually have another dude working things out. Just so you know, this is like a friendship thing. And he's like, yeah, no problem. So, she already, she probably already heard about him and and heard about his <laughs> his what he does and his poonhound is. And she was like, nah. She probably went on like whatever social media was out. But there was no social media back then. But, but I'm sure she heard somewhere. Here's the issue with this. Again, with the, I do want to. I pointed out that she came on to him or whatever by asking if he's like going to come back and take her out or whatnot. But he even mentioned that he's he. He has a girlfriend, even though she's in Japan. The only reason she didn't come is because something with school, right? So and he's yeah. not single, and he's still actively chasing this woman. What the fuck is wrong with Danny, bro? What is wrong with Danny? Likes that poonhound, man. I'm telling you, he's then, a poonhound. And then in Cobra Kai, he's not married to any of these women. So it's like, this is just all for not. <laughs> no, but I can't wait till we talk to Cobra Kai because there's so many theories on, on what kind of um, 
it seems that Daniel is going to get into some trouble with the poon in Cobra Kai, mm-hmm. but I'll hold off that talk until we get there. Yeah, but uh, yeah, it's so uh, yeah, it's, 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 yeah. They they gave this, but I think they realized like, hey, you know what? Every movie, he's involved in some sort of relationship. So let's keep this one sort of platonic and friendship rather than having it be a love interest. So that's pretty good. Also, for those who don't know, uh, just to mm-hmm. note the uh, the person who did that. Uh, the 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 girl who plays uh, his his uh, platonic friend or whatever term you want to use, she's actually the uh, half sister of Blake Lively. Believe it or not. Oh really? She must yeah. be way older than Blake Lively then. I believe Blake Lively is her. Yeah, Blake Lively. Yeah, yeah, it has to be. It has to be because yeah, Blake Lively probably be. was. With, God knows she probably was a child back then. Exactly. She's like our age. But um, so what do you think about this movie? Uh, as we're still getting into plot before we get into some of the new characters, um, what do you think about the fact that it seemed like in, in, I, I would love to see like a runtime breakdown, but there was way less karate in this movie. Um, do you agree with I, that? It, watching no, I it, disagree. Like, like we we got some tussles, but as far like and we got some training. We did get a lot of a lot of training, but like him kicking a board a couple of times. Like I don't know, it just it didn't feel like the other two Karate Kid movies to me as far as training and the martial arts aspect of it. It feels like they wanted to go more character with it. Maybe that's just my interpretation. Let me know how you guys feel, the listeners. But and JB seems like you disagree also. You don't think that there was less karate and martial arts in this one? So okay, so okay, if you're saying when you said originally when you said karate, I thought you were talking about um, not necessarily the art like martial arts, like fighting scenes and stuff. Like if you're talking about like strictly fighting scenes, yes, uh, Karate Kid one and two. Karate Kid obviously has is the number one, and then Karate Kid two. There's a lot of different fighting scenes. This Karate Kid, it it, it didn't have as many fighting scenes, mm-hmm. but I don't think they were trying to tell the story necessarily of fighting. I think the, 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 what they were trying to come across, I think because the movie's called karate kid, that's what they have to involve the fighting. I think it was mm-hmm. more so the relationship of Mr. Miyagi and Daniel okay. and this guy, Terry silver trying to put a wedge into it and also bring down Daniel and Miyagi by putting a wedge through this relationship. I think that's where they're trying to go with it. To okay. get revenge for okay. for, like for, for Crease for Crease, you know what I mean? Okay. Well, let let's get into that then. Let's get into Terry Silver. We already talked about how he's kind of introduced. Uh, he's introducing this scene where John Crease walks into his house, and we really don't know. We get to learn more about him. What do you think about him as a character, as a villain, everything overall? Because I have I have I have takes that I'm pretty sure are going to be different than yours on this one. Yeah, I have a feeling you're not going to like him, but I absolutely love this dude. I just I, I I'll even go and say I love him more than I love Johnny Lawrence as a villain because Johnny Lawrence is is a teenage kid. I'm not talking about the acting or anything. I'm just talking about the character. Johnny Lawrence is a teenage kid that's a bully. Whereas this guy is is a maniac who um he'll if he has a chance, he'll kill your ass and he'll he'll bury you and you'll 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 never find him. That's just how he is. He's he's that kind of crazy guy. I mean what he does for a living, how is he a millionaire? He deals in like, uh, you know, n- like waste. He, uh, I forgot what the right terminology is, but all these hazardous waste that no one wants anything to do with, he collects them and throws them in rivers and places you're not supposed to do. He just doesn't give no fucks, you know. So I absolutely liked him. I thought he was he. Was, I I enjoyed him. He he came off again, like I said, he's kind of cartoony, but. He came off as a great villain to me, and one that's like crazy that gives no fucks. Here goes, here goes another thing. I honestly thought you were gonna say that he was a terrible villain. I fucking love like oh. that's 
that's the thing when I say walk we're brothers like, bro that was exactly that's the thing that I was alluding back to and this lets you guys know this is an honest reaction me me and JB don't really talk about the movies too much before we actually review them uh, to, to maintain the integrity of the conversation bro I would have sworn that I would have thought that you were gonna hate him as a villain me watching this movie I was like fuck he may be one of the better villains in the, in the fucking I think I still put Sato over him but he may have been one of the be yeah. best villains in the fucking series. Like, I just wish he was in a better movie. And I said, like, he's a mustache twirling villain. But again, the idea behind him, the, the thing of breaking down this kid's mentality, when you see, when you have an adult that's trying to get in the mind of a kid, that's what they do. You 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 break them down mentally. And he he came at it with, even though he was crazy and, and, uh, and aggressive in certain times, he came at it with so much finesse. Even to before the start of the tournament, when he's giving his little speech, all that is to break down and to get Danny, you know, mad and out of out of his his normal uh, centeredness with his mind, and even with Mister Miyagi. I love this fucking ki this 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 villain, bro. I really did. Like, and I I read this whole like thread on like why Karate Kid. Like, somebody had this thesis on why Karate Kid is actually the best movie in the series, and that whole idea was built around Terry Silver as a villain, as one of the better villains in the series. I will say this, and I I know some may disagree. But I believe Terry Silver is not the greatest villain in the trilogy, but I do believe he's the greatest threat to Daniel in the trilogy, if that makes sense. I believe Absolutely. for me, the greatest villain is Sato, but Sato exactly. wasn't a threat, wasn't a threat to Daniel for me. He's more of a threat to Miyagi. But Terry Silver was a hundred percent threat to Daniel, more than than uh, Chosen, even though Chosen was literally trying to kill him. But yeah, you know, you kind of touched on this. Terry Silver wasn't only trying to hurt Daniel physically, but mentally. And the mental aspect to me is more important than the physical aspect. Cause you break down someone's mind, you brainwash them, you can get them to do whatever you want. And that's how he was coming out. But he wasn't beating him up and bullying him like, like, like Johnny and, and chosen. He was going through him mentally. Yeah. Yeah. And that, 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 that makes him stand out. Like we've, we've, and even, even the kid in this, uh, the, the character who's going to be, uh, what's his name? Mike, Mike Barnes. Yeah. He's really just a side. Like we've always seen the, the person that's Danny's age be the bigger threat to Danny himself or even on screen with Danny the most. And it's really not, it's him in these scenes with Terry, Terry, Terry Silver. When you see him in silver training, when Danny still thinks that he's really on his side, like I almost would think that there's like a version of this. If it wasn't for him embarrassing Crease, that Silver would have loved to have Danny as a student. Hmm. Yes, I think so. But I don't think it would have ever worked. And the reason why is because <laughs> Terry Silver is a lunatic and Daniel is more, you know, more like that, uh, you know, the, the, the guy next door. So I think I think Daniel wouldn't have been able to put up with Silver. I think Silver would have tried to like maybe, you know get him ways to cheat and and do things that are wrong that Daniel pro now if Sil this is silver and and Daniel in in uh, karate kid 1 sure cuz Daniel in karate kid 1 he's willing to do whatever it means that's cheating what, he and wants that's kind of what I'm getting at yeah that's what I'm kind of getting at if 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 Danny would have never met if he would have met silver instead of Mr. Miyagi oh yeah when Danny was at his lowest and just over the bullshit Danny would have been a fucking monster bro he would have you're absolutely right <laughs> Remember in, in part two of Karate Kid, when he punched the guy in the face at the club. I'm sorry, mm -hmm. that was Karate Kid yes, 3. This is this one, this, this one, yeah. That, that, that's the Daniel, that would have been the norm, I think, the normal yeah. Daniel that we would have gotten, yeah. For sure, for sure. And I almost wish that Johnny would have come back in this movie, so it could have played off the fact of, like, we saw Dan and you know, I, w 
this movie was what uh, an hour and about forty six minutes. It wasn't two hours. Yeah. No, it wasn't too hard. If if we would have got another twenty or so minutes, and we would have got more of like Danny being not evil Danny, but being more darker, and we could have seen the parallel of maybe how like he's acting compared to how Johnny was in in Karate Kid One, I think would have made this movie better. Also, I, I said the same thing because here's the thing: it, it could work. It's not. I think they didn't want to do it because like, oh, we don't want to ruin Daniel, but it could work mm. because Daniel's the person that always keeps Daniel in balance on that straight line is Miyagi. But like I said before, Terry Silver is now wedging them, and Danny's going off the wrong end. So I would have liked to see a little bit more. We saw a little bit of that club scene where he punched the guy and broke the guy's nose. Mm -hmm. But I would have liked to see a little bit more uh, of that Daniel because that would have shown more how Terry Silver kind of pulled him to his side. And then Miyagi trying to pull him back. We we never really saw Miyagi win back Daniel, in my opinion. I, I mean, when did he really win him back? We didn't really get that on film. I mean... He didn't, but I think Danny came to the realization himself of, look, I'm being somebody that I don't. And the thing is, is that no, what the revelation, sorry, the revelation that Danny was like, oh, fuck, I've been had is when he went back to the dojo and Chris showed up and and Mike Barnes. I disagree with that. Well, that's when he realized he's been had. But I think he realized that he was going to he went to see Terry to apologize and to say that he wasn't going to train him anymore. If you remember, he True. had that record. He had that. He he realized that he was going a path he didn't want to go after he punched the guy in the nose and he went back and yes. saw the girl afterwards. So, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. That's Correct. when he re- realized that he had been had, but he had realized that he was going a darker path before then. Yeah, I think he realized when he punched the kid in, in the nose and broke the kid's nose and Terry Silver had zero remorse. He was like, hey, I need to go back. I need to check on him. And Terry Silver was like, yeah, fuck that. Let's get out of here. So, yeah, I think that's when he realized, like, yeah, this is – I'm not – I don't want to do this. This is not for me. Yeah, yeah. Uh, all right, so let's get into Mike Barnes, uh, the bad boy of karate in this movie. Like I said, I was surprised that he was he it just he wasn't in this movie as much as I remember as a kid. I I didn't find look for a list of a, like a breakdown of who had the most screen time in this movie because I wanted to see how much time he was actually on screen um, compared to other villains in the series, and I didn't really I wasn't able to find it. But um, what do you think about Barnes as as the the antagonist to Danny, um, so to say, in this movie? Yeah, actually, when I go back and think about it, um, I remember I remember him um, now as an adult. I look as, as Terry Silver as the main uh, mm. villain. But growing up watching this as a child, I, Terry Silver was just an adult to me. The yeah. main villain to me was always Mike Barnes until now I'm an adult and I can look at it in a different way. Mike Barnes is always the bad guy in this movie for me. Um I, I was okay with him in this movie. Um, I Again, I know the acting wasn't necessarily 100% strong, but he did well. And, you know, just read, going back and reading some of the things about him. For example, like there was 2,000 people that that tested for this particular role. And he mm-hmm. beat out 2,000 people. And he accredits that to when him and, and, and uh, Ralph Macho were doing the scene, he got a little physical with Ralph Macho. That wasn't part of it. In that particular scene, he got physical, and they liked that because he wanted to be a standout, and he did stand out because it worked. Also, that scene we were just talking about where where they do the reveal and Kreese comes out, and uh, Miyagi comes, and Miyagi throws uh, Mike Barnes out the uh, out the door. You know, you know the scene I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, of course. They had to do that scene over 20 times, and Mike Barnes kept on saying, like, yeah, let's redo it, and they were going to pull the scene, and he's like, no, I'll get it. Let's do it. So much they did that scene that he almost died. They had to stop recording. He had internal bleeding. He had to go to the hospital. He legitimately almost died. 
But um, he did all of his own stunts. There was no stuntman there. So, yeah, I mean, I think he did an okay Shit. job. Yeah. That just crazy gave me a whole new, whole new respect for, for him. And that's why I'm talking the way I'm talking now. Because I know, and he also he also has done karate for a long time in his life as well. But just knowing, he this is a guy that's been a huge Karate Kid fan from when he was younger, and he grew up watching Karate Kid. So he was he wanted the role, and he was willing to do whatever to get the role. And yeah, man, newfound respect, absolutely. Yeah. So that's respect for the actor, the character, though. Yeah. So was this the only time that like he kicked a woman in the stomach? Like yes. that could not happen nowadays. Like that's oh. I'm su- I'm surprised honestly. You know it's Netflix, so no. If this was on like if let's say Disney owned Karate Kid or whatever, they would absolutely pull that scene from the movie. One hundred percent. That would never fly in twenty twenty. No way, no how. Bro, and I forgot. Like I f- completely forgot that happened to my rewatch today. Like I said, Karate Kid three is not one that I've probably seen it. I've seen Karate Kid one probably well over a hundred times in my life. Karate Kid three I've probably seen. 10 so like i don't i didn't remember it as well but when that scene happened legit i paused it and almost texted <laughs> you but i was like let me wait let me wait until we record because i'm like bro i had no fucking recollection of him kicking that woman in, his, in her stomach yeah but back then things were different i mean we didn't really talk about it as much but in part two uh chosen hit hit uh uh i forgot daniel's poon poon in that one oh, not oh, oh no something like that i don't remember no that was just no no not odo <laughs> Yeah, I forgot what her name was, but but whatever her, her name was, he, <laughs> I love how you just say, "Oh no, oh no, that's not that's not racist." Oko, or Oko, Okio, something like it was something like I didn't mean it like that. Like racist, like I'm sure Okio, somebody. Oh no, bro, that's that you're talking about Tokyo. That's the thing in Japan. No, not that no. either. Bro, shut up, bro. I'll and it's not it's, keep it's not Okan, it's not Okinawa either. But yeah, so remember these movies are eighties. I, I believe Karate Kid was still in the eighties, late eighties, but or maybe early nineties. I don't remember. But either way, it these kind of things happened a lot back then. No, it, the, it wasn't under a microscope like it is now. Nowadays, like you said, it just would absolutely not fly. I will say though, if we're looking at all the villains, uh, four four specifically: Johnny Lawrence, Mike Barnes, Yuki. Uh, that's her name. My bad. Yuki. That was yeah, yeah. Yuki. Exactly. Uh, Johnny Lawrence, chosen Mike Barnes. Uh, Terry Silver, and I'll even throw in Sato in there. Those five villains in this trilogy, for me, hands down, Mike Barnes is the worst. I'm not saying he's horrible, but of those five, I would say he's the worst. Both ca- character, acting, etc. And I think I think they had a chance to make him better if we would have saw him in the tournament. Yeah, absolutely. Do you think that, that, would, that that's another fellow's plot that we didn't get to see him really much? It was like we just fast-forwarded to him and Danny. No, I don't think really, though, because the purpose of them showing the tournament would would kind of to give him, I think, to give him credit like Mm -hmm. he's, you know, but I think because he was so ruthless, I mean, he almost killed Daniel. I mean, he could have just let go of the rope when they were when they went climbing and that's it. Daniel's dead and that's it. So, you know, I think we already saw the ruthlessness side of him. Uh, We saw what he can do. And uh, we saw how cynical he'd be. I mean, he was even, he literally is not afraid of anybody. I mean, he was talking to Terry Silver, and, and Terry Silver was like, hey, I'll give you 35% of the gyms. And he was ready to walk 50%. away. He's like, no, nah, I'm going to need 50 So <laughs> he's also another one that gives no fucks. So, yeah, yeah I think I think uh, he got credibility through All the right. film. All right. I like that. I like that concept of it. But he's, def- he's definitely the weakest in the, in the whole entire series, by far, uh, in my opinion. Um, so... That brings Can us to talk- our t- go ahead. 
I'm sorry, because we haven't really done it much, but can we talk about Miyagi, Karate Kid 3's Miyagi versus 1 and 2? Because I feel, for me, I'm a huge fan of Mr. Miyagi, maybe even more so than Daniel, and I feel like he took a step back in this film. Like, I feel it was, I understand it was Miyagi and him, their relationship and everything, but I felt it was centered more towards Daniel and his battle, and Miyagi kind of took a step back. What do you think about that? Yeah, I mean that was that was technically last on our list, but we can talk about it now. Um, I do, I, I do feel, I, yeah, you're no, you're fine. I do feel that Danny, I mean Miyagi, took a back seat um, for a couple of reasons, right? Like we we know that this was kind of a contractual sequel, and that they kind of wanted to get it out the way. But I also think that, like I said, I feel like this plot was to tell that Danny t- almost tipped over into the dark side they just didn't pay they didn't spend a lot of time there and i think because of that they wanted to feel they wanted us to feel distant from miyagi for the story maybe this is just my brain as a now older person and someone who breaks down film on a different level trying to think about why they did stuff a certain way but from that aspect it kind of makes sense if if danny's distant from miyagi you want us as the viewers because danny is the person we're we're seeing is from his point of view of it of us to also be if we got too much Miyagi in this movie then we it would have not made sense for Danny to be distant from him because we are seeing a lot of him so I I think it kind of makes sense in that in that standpoint what do you think yeah actually that's a great point because we were distant from Miyagi but so was Daniel so you're kind of seeing it through the eyes of Daniel you know so yeah I think that actually makes makes a lot of sense but yeah you keep saying it and I I can't agree more I wish they would have delved a little bit more into his, you know, Daniel as the dark side. Daniel and uh, have him give us a couple more scenes. Give us another 15 minutes of him, uh, you know, breaking people's nose or maybe, uh, you know, uh, harassing the girl a little bit or or kind of being a jackass a little bit or even like getting slightly physical with Miyagi. I'm not saying like freaking abuse him like a senior citizen abuse, not like that, but like maybe, you know, shy him away like. Yo, man, I don't want your fucking fish or something. You know what I mean? Whatever. That could have been huge, but I guess they didn't go that route. Yeah, I mean, that that would, that would scene would have sold home. And like you said, maybe they didn't want him to feel unredeemable. Maybe they were worried True. about something like that. Because that just a scene of him, like, not necessarily striking Miyagi, but, like, pushing Miyagi away, like, Miyagi, like I, when he tried to, like, help him with his foot or whatever. Like, something like that would have really sold it home a little bit more. But, uh... Yeah, I mean, Mr. Miyagi wasn't in this film a lot. Like I said, I wish I would I could find like a, a breakdown of runtime because it feels like not only is this the shortest Karate Kid movie, um, I don't I don't know if you realize that or not. This is the shortest by it's shorter than the first one by I think like fifteen minutes or so. So not a lot of time, but with the correct writing, you can tell so much story in fifteen minutes that it, sure. it kind of feels missed. It kind of feels like they left some stuff on the table that they didn't need to. I absolutely agree with you. I think they they could have, but I think like. <laughs> and 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 maybe that's why you know the, the script is not as strong as it should be. Maybe there's some holes and some other things they could have done. Uh, you know, we always say 2020. You know that the hindsight. You know that's how it works. But yeah. But um, even with the the couple of roles and scenes that Miyagi got, still I I enjoyed him throughout. The one scene where you know he's trying to get into Daniel's room and Daniel is hiding and and he comes out and he he just says like he's like. Oh, and he's looking at the picture, and he's like, Daniel, like, oh, Miyagi's heart is hurting without you. I was, like, ready to freaking, like, start crying, bro. Like, he garnered so much emotion, and he's just such a tremendous actor. Even in a small role he got in this film, I still think he did a phenomenal job. I think probably for me, 
out of everybody in this movie, may, like, yeah, I would say his acting was probably the best in this film, in my oh, opinion. Oh, for sure. For sure. For sure. Um, yeah, I mean, and the thing is that Pat Moore is such a great actor that he doesn't he doesn't need a lot of screen time for us to, his presence to still be felt. Plus, it's Mr. Meow. Like, it felt like he was, like, out of this movie for, like, the middle 30 minutes, and then he comes back, basically, it's like him being reintroduced in that scene where he does throw Matt Barnes through the window. Then it's like, okay, we're fucking on now. Like, that's, that's kind of how it feels like, and we, we carry through the third act that way. But, uh, you know, more Mr. I, I would never say no to more Mr. Miyagi. Um, and I think the fact that the next movie after this, which we're not covering, the next Karate Kid has Pat Moore, but no uh, Ralph Macchio says. Uh, he was like, they, fuck that. Yeah, um, but uh, yeah, man. I mean, he's 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 an amazing actor, and, and Mr. Miyagi is one of the greatest characters. Quote me on this, Mr. Miyagi is definitely on. If he's not in your top ten, he needs to be in your top fifteen characters of all time. I one hundred percent, one hundred percent agree with you. I will absolutely sign my name next to that. And uh, <laughs> just, just uh, since we're kind of breaking down some characters, just uh, one other character I just want to bring up just real quick. Uh, one of the the henchmen, if you want to call it that, but one of my Barnes boys, which is Snake, who works for Terry Silver. Just a quick thing here: he's actually he actually uh, tested to be Mike Barnes, and he didn't get the role. But they casted him as this as Snake. He's actually the director Alvinson. That's his son in real life. So just wanted oh. to bring bring that up. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean that that's pretty much it for all the main characters that we got in this film. Wait, let me ask- talk about Danny. I got one okay. question. We talked about we talked Absolutely. about him a lot. So a lot of what we have to break down, we've already talked about. But watching this movie. Is I get it that kids are supposed to be naive, but do they make Danny a little too naive in this movie? Mm, I don't think so. You don't think so? I don't. No, and let me tell you why. I don't think he's naive. Are, are you Are you saying he's naive because because uh, he let Terry Silver trick him? Not necessarily. Just because he, that's uh, that plays a part in, it, and I get that's an adult with a kid, so it would make sense that the adult ha- can get in your head or whatever. But I'm looking at it more so in the totality. Of the series, the Karate Kid oh. theatrical films that we're talking about, not just this movie. Is he the most naive protagonist ever? Maybe not, because, you know, there's some naive protagonists. But I'm just watching this, and I'm just like, yeah, the Terry Silver thing was kind of more the icing on the cake, and I could understand that more. But I, And I get it. They want him to have this charm of, like, this innocence about him. But come on now. Even even being innocent, like, you, could, you should only take so much shit. I, I don't know, man. I just feel like Danny's just really, really naive. Okay, so let's talk about it for a second because I'm I'm leaning to he's not naive, but mm-hmm. I, I so this is good because we're on different aspects. But here's what I want to ask you before I I f- make a decision which way I'm gonna go. Can yeah. you tell me in the entire trilogy, in your opinion, what are the top three examples of his naive na- naivety or whatever the right you know him being naive? What are the top three in your opinion? And then based on that, because I think some of his naive moments that I think you may probably mm-hmm. perceive as naive. I don't think I perceive as naive, but I mean, just to know, give, just give me a couple examples, two, three examples, whatever. What, the, the, so Matt, his, so Terry Silver is one, but we've kind of talked about why, and I've said why that he's sure. even his interaction with Matt Barnes, right? Is that this guy has broken into your house basically three right. times in this movie. Three times he's just broken the fuck in. He, the first time he just walks in, you don't even know who he is. He turns off off the, on the light. He's like, "Oh hey, we're closed." It, you, can you not tell by the look on these motherfuckers' face they're not there to buy shit? Right. Like if somebody walks in your house, looks at you directly, and then turns off the light, and you know karate, why aren't you getting ready to defend yourself? But he that, that was the store, and it could have legitimately been customers. 
To turn off the light though, bro, and the way the look on their face when they walked in. You think that they you would think that they were customers, or will you not at least be prepared to I'm not saying automatically go to these motherfuckers are here to fuck you up. But would but you not did. at least prepare to defend yourself? He did though. Like after he realized there was a threat there, he was ready to fight. Bro, that after she got kicked, basically. Yeah. It shouldn't even shield. got to that point. This should that be was shield. <laughs> It shouldn't even got to, got to that point, bro. Like, I, I, bro, that was just a hugely like you're you're trained to fight. You have a woman there that you should be protective over, even though you don't know her. If three guys randomly walk in and turn off the light and look at you and start talking shit, there's no way that you can. I would be between you. Like, you're not about to kick her in the stomach, man. Right, but Maggie taught him to de- like only use karate defend himself. Defend. Defend. Right, but he he if he was there was no physical threat. There was a threat, yes, that can maybe become physical. But until they made physical, plus they were like holding him and shit. And let's let's also keep in mind, I don't think Daniel was necessarily the fittest Daniel because you could tell his ass gained a lot of weight. Oh, he was about fifteen pounds heavier than he was in part one. And not muscle, man. He was he was running at pastas or Miyagi's whatever the fuck Miyagi was giving him to eat. So uh, yeah, so okay, so that's one. That's one example. The second example you're talking about, like Terry Silver, with Terry Silver, I know we kind of brush on. I think it's a little bit of part one where I think Daniel is willing to do whatever to get in that, get back into that tournament, and he needs someone to train him if it means having a different trainer. Because he asked Miyagi countless times, "Will you train me?" And Miyagi said, "No, we're done. I'm not going to train you to just go after a title. I'll train you for life, but not for the title." And uh, he was just looking for someone to train him so he can go back and fight Mike Barnes, even if that meant training with some stranger that could possibly be bad for him. So uh, is that naive? I don't think his naiveness took over. I think it was more his anger and wanting to fight Mike Barnes clouded his mind and his judgment. I'm surprised to hear you defending Danny, but I'm just saying, bro, he's just he's just naive as fuck to me. And I and I respect your opinion 100%. But to me, I'm just looking at this shit like, come on, son. Come on. Bro. You know what he's naive to is he needs to figure out and he what he needs to do is go to some fucking court and divorce his fucking mother because oh, that's what bro, he's naive to. Bro, we 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 we've gotten to this all in the series. So like the first the first season uh the first season, the first uh movie, movie. in this series we just we we you can tell she's a terrible ass mother. Like her son's all bruised and fucked up, and she's not once is like let's. She's she's terrible. Then in part two, you let somebody who your son's only known for about six months at that point take him out the fucking country. Out the continent. Then in part then in part three, before he's even back from that other continent, you you've left and basically signed over your guardianship. To the motherfucker that he's only known for six months. Without even asking or telling him. She had already <laughs> spoken to Miyagi without even asking him because she he was like, she's like, I already spoke to uh, Mr. Miyagi and you can stay there. And he was like, okay. Not even finding out, is he going to go to school? Did he almost get killed in Okinawa? Was he raped, cetera, molested? He None right? of that shit. <laughs> she, all she cared about was her brother and taking care of uncle, whatever his name was, I forget. Uncle Louie. And... She has got to be probably one of the worst parents in the history of film, in my oh, opinion. Oh man, man! That, also, she's how a is she? Parent. How is she? Where is she getting the money to to fly to wherever she flew to? And I would assume she paid for Daniel's ticket to go to Okinawa, I believe, and also she paid for her ticket to fly to wherever. Yet she drives that freaking piece of shit station wagon. 
Why not, instead of flying all over the damn place, why not invest the money and buy a reasonable car? Also, also, let's talk about how a horrible employee she is because the first reason they moved to Reseda, California was because she got a new job. She just got a new job and already she's taking time off to leave and go take care of her brother. That's a horrible employee. So she's a horrible mother and a horrible employee. She's a horrible person. She should have lost her rights years ago. She's terrible. Like... (laughs) Lost her rights to what? Like life? No, to her child, bro. He should oh, be in yeah. fucking CPS somewhere. Like, what the fuck? Exactly. A hundred percent. And maybe this is why Daniel, maybe maybe Daniel was was lured to, to Terry Silver and it was so easy because he was looking for that parental guidance. He felt Miyagi was not giving it to him because Miyagi didn't want to sign those papers and him and Miyagi were kind of drifting apart. So he's looking for that parental figure in Terry Silver. Boom. Thank you I guess so, so much, Miss LaRusso. Well, there you have it, bro. That's it, man. You got any other characters you want to talk about in this movie? No. I mean, that we pretty much talked about every character there is. I have a trivia question for you, though. Okay. And I know you're my brother, and you're a brilliant fucking guy, but I'm 99% positive you're going to only get three out of four on this question. So here's my question. No Googling either. There are four people that have been in all three of the Karate Kid movies. The trilogy. The three. The trilogy part. Mm-hmm. Forget about the other shit. Who are the four people? Okay, so we're definitely Mr. Miyagi, Daddy, Crease. So that's three out of the four. Oh, and Miss yes, LaRusso. No, she doesn't she really. She wasn't in two. Well, she yes. wasn't two. Okay, so. Her voice was, but not her physically. No, actually, her voice wasn't even in two. But yeah, no, not her. This is a hard one. I know you. this is going to be the one that, that stumps you. I'll give you two hints. One hint will probably mean nothing to you. The other hint might help you a lot. The, okay. first, hint, the first hint is he's a male. The second hint is, which you can probably guess, is he's in all three movies, but in very, very small portions of the movie and small role. Is he is he in different is he different roles in each movie? No. I don't fucking know. Who is it, bro? <laughs> it's the uh it's the referee in uh in Karate Kid one and three. And also he's in Karate Kid two. He's the one that's outside that tells Daniel, like, oh, you did a good job or whatever. Wow. Okay. Well, there yeah. you have it. I got three out of four. That's not bad. That's no, a great absolutely. trivia question, though. That's a great trivia question. Yeah. He actually did a, like 95% of the choreography for this trilogy, by the way. Awesome. He's, he's a real-life uh, martial artist, yeah. Awesome. So, so here's uh, my last I, question to you. Go ahead. Sorry. But here's my last question to you. I don't know if you have anything else, but after after this film is over, where where does – obviously, we're, we're, this is all not real, but where do you think Terry Silver go, went after this? Where did John Kreese go after this? Where did Mike Barnes go after this? And where did Miyagi slash uh, Daniel go after this? Because we never seen. We, we, there's no more movie. There's no more other parts. Technically, where well, did we their know life? Cobra Kai, where most of them. Right, were. right. But in between the next, let's say the next six months, where did their life go? I'm sure Danny saw some hot piece of ass walking down the street that he started chasing. Who later became his wife? Who Oh yeah, that, that's how he met his wife. Uh, he probably got in a couple of fights there. Uh, Mr. Miyagi opened a chain of bonsai stores like across it. the country. Uh, Barnes, he never fought again after getting his ass beat in this tournament. He was no longer the bad boy in karate, and he is now a manager at a McDonald's. Um, Terry Silver, <laughs> Terry Silver, uh, rebounded after this. He opened up some Cobra Kai, uh, dojos in florida and he relocated there where he lived out the rest of his life 
And John Kreese. Where? Yep. Huh? No, continue. I like it so and far. I love it, actually. Jo- John Kreese, after getting his ass beat by Miyagi and Cobra Kai losing in the tournament again, left and went on a, went on a cocaine because it was the 90s and alcohol bender uh, <laughs> fueled by several prostitutes and was just homeless for at least five years after the fact. There you go. And then returned to take over Cobra Kai. And then returned to take over Cobra Kai 12 I love- years later. <laughs> love all of it. Love all of it. But let, let me just give a little. Let me just give a little teaser. I love all of it. But what if we were to add in one more, one more layer of of uh, Terry Silver? And what if we were to say he did all that, continued being a millionaire, found the woman of his dreams, or so he thought, got married. Things didn't work out. They got a divorce because he spent too much time with his job, and his wife, his son left. He went on to continue being million a millionaire and doing things and being a sort of a deadbeat dad. His wife, his son moved to another part of town. His son ended up getting bullied in school, decided to join the dojo, and his teacher was Johnny Lawrence. What do you think about that? Really, bro? Do you get where I'm going with this? I think so. Keep it going. What if Terry Silver's son is the kid from Cobra Kai? Miguel? Yeah. There's actually been speculation on that. And there's actually that's where I got said, it from. They actually said that there's that there's been hints that Terry Silver may be in Cobra Kai season three. Right. Now also as we were talking yeah, and I, I, I would love all that. Bring every fucking person back. But oh, yeah, I, as think, we, I think as this as the series goes on, there we're eventually going to see everybody. Yeah. Now as we were doing this episode, and I know this is not a theory, but I can see also a case where if they can't get Silver or Silver's not necessarily interested, which I think he will be, they don't, and they don't go that angle, I could also see this kid's dad being Mike Barnes as well. Because there's been speculation he may come back as well. That's – I like that. That's there's all also been speculation. There's also speculation – I, I don't want to talk anymore about Cobra Kai because I know we're talking a lot about it. But mm-hmm. there's also been speculation that Miguel's mom – because remember, the girl he's staying with is not his – mom i think that's his sister yeah. from not mistaken mm-hmm. that his mom is actually Allie. oh and then we did she is coming back for sure in season three right right because i believe yeah. i don't know how, how what their theory is this but i believe Allie is supposed to be like sort of a surgeon or something in the medical field so when when um miguel goes to the hospital and he's gonna need like life you know life-saving surgery Allie's the one who gets the call and they realize like she has to operate on her own son and maybe that's why she called Johnny to let her let him know, like, hey, my son is I'm in town. My son, what the fuck happened? There you we'll have see. it. Well, let's see. That's just a teaser for Cobra Kai and what's to come. That's it. That's it, bro. So any parting words, any ideas left? I I I have one question for you. We see yeah. I know we have Cobra Kai, so it's it's not going to happen. I I feel safe to say it's not going to happen. But if they decided to reboot Cobra, I mean reboot. Karate Kid. Who would you cast as Danny? Who would you cast as Mr. Miyagi? There's certain roles that it can never be recasted ever. I think, and I, I, and I think the Mr. Miyagi role is that. Jackie Chan is a phenomenal actor, phenomenal actor. While they didn't recast him as Mr. Miyagi, he was recasted as Miss Miyagi with a different name, really. And mm-hmm. I don't think he was anything close to what Miss Miyagi. People are always going to know. This was Mr. Miyagi. So I don't know. It's a tough question. I don't have any, like literally anybody in mind as for who's Daniel. It would have to be somebody that's kind of young and sort of innocent looking, kind of like a little bit of naive, like you said. I don't know, man. That's a great question. Who do you got? See, my if they do redo the Cobra Kai, I wouldn't, I would want it to be taken from the aspect of millennial kids, right? I would actually want 
somebody who has kind of an edge. I wouldn't want them to act just like Danny San acted in um in the original uh Karate Kid. So my pick for uh Danny San would actually be uh our boy. Uh what's his name? Shit. Who? He was in what, the what, movie with with the, with all the boys. He's been in a lot of shit. He's in the movie with Jacob all the boys. Tremblay. Oh, okay, okay. That would be interesting. But when I look at him, all I see is comedy. True, true. But that doesn't mean that he can't. That's why I say I wouldn't. It, millennial kids are idiots nowadays, so I true. wouldn't be against it. Be him being could, more goofy and naive. I could be. I could be. I could sign off on that. Let me ask you this though: Who's the counterpart? Who's Miyagi? I, bro, honestly, I think that Jackie Chan could do a great job. But no. I, I know they've they've went to. I I think he could. Uh, they went to that well. I don't think uh, they will go again. That's that's the difficult one. I think you can cast. Like I don't think Danny is hard to recast. Mister Miyagi is the hard. You know one. why? And I don't think we've ever talked about this. And maybe no. I'm totally wrong. But name me some older some older Asian actors. I can't think of anyone. Not even one. Okay, I I got him. Um, damn it. He he was in. I was. I'm I'm been getting worse and worse with names. Um. He's the the uh it man in all the Asian movies. Uh, hold on, I gotta look up his name. He was in what Star Wars Rogue One. Um, I know you don't. I, just thought, I know you didn't didn't no, watch that. But a name that just comes to my head. What about Jet Li? Jet Li would probably be good too. I, I have you seen Jet Li lately? No, I haven't. He he's looking quite old, so he may fit that a little <laughs> too well. To be honest, like I swear it's like Jet Li didn't age for like. 25 years and then it all just came it all came crashing down on him at one time uh donnie yen is the guy that i'm that i'm oh, thinking okay, of okay okay i know who you're talking i think about. i think he would he would be a good mr miyagi yeah actually that'd be interesting yeah 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 but i don't think this will ever see uh, cobra kai oh, has never, too much success Co- cobra yeah. kai is doing way too good for them to re- even right. though we saw the Ch- uh child's play be remo- rebooted where Chucky was still having direct films on Netflix. Um, so, I mean, weirder things have happened, but Cobra Kai is such a hit and such a hit with the same audience that you would want to reap. Like, it's got all of us nostalgic about it, all the original fans. So if they were to re- try to reboot it right now, it'll be stupid. I think that we'll eventually, everything's going to be rebooted at some time. I think we'll probably get a Karate Kid reboot five to ten years after Cobra Kai finally ends. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think... Yeah, every great movie is going to eventually get rebooted at some time yeah. just because people are lazy as fuck to write new stuff. For sure, for sure. But that's it, bro, man. Let's go ahead and go the fuck home, man. Give them your social media, any parting words, all that good stuff. I can be reached on Twitter at the P1JB. That's at T-H-E-P-1-J-B. Of course, I can be reached on Facebook, Jav Bashrula. Go ahead and check us out on the Facebook group, which CEO Hayes will get into. And uh, thank you all so much for the love and support. And you can follow me at CEO Hayes, at CEO H-A-I-Z-E. You can follow us collectively at the Film Bros Pod. You can send us any feedback, questions, comments, concerns, thefilmfrequency at gmail.com. And if you want to be part of the discussion, search The Film Frequency on Facebook. Join our discussion group. It's open. We have a lot of great discussions about TV and film in there. Um, and as movie theaters reopen, it's going to be a great place. I'm actually thinking about uh, doing some written reviews. Not super huge in-depth ones, but just ones to kind of get the conversation started once we get new movies again um but yeah that's where you want to check us out is that is all our platforms you can also subscribe to us on youtube just type in the film frequency uh that's it we're out this bitch peace peace